0: Welcome to the Earth's Edge podcast. I'm your host, James McManus. At Earth's Edge, we run guided expeditions with a focus on environmental and cultural sustainability. We created this podcast to share stories from people who have found the outdoors and fallen in love with adventure. Each month, we're giving away one of our summit jackets worth 150 euro. To be in the running, all you need to do is subscribe to our mailing list at earths-edge.com forward slash podcast. There's a link in the show notes. Now for today's guest.
1: Well, ages, first of all, and this is corny, but it's only a number. And you know, I don't care about age. I just do what I want to do. If that sounds selfish or conceited it's not meant to it's just that age shouldn't be a barrier and it's not a barrier like you know for anybody age sex or creed shouldn't be a barrier for anybody just even if it's something small just do it like for yourself like you know
0: you're listening to marion timmins who first found adventure at the age of 52. a stressful job and a busy family life saw marion tip the scales at 20 stone she knew she had to make some serious changes, so she signed up to go to Peru and started training. Nine months later and five stone lighter, she fulfilled a lifelong dream and trekked into Machu Picchu. What a legend. We started out talking about her training program and how she lost all that weight. So, Marion, we first spoke on the phone back in January 2017, and within a couple of days, you'd booked a trip to Peru to try to Machu Picchu. What spurred you onto that decision?
1: What spurred me onto that decision was January 2017, I had just retired from a very stressful job, 30 and a half years in one of the most stressful jobs ever. And I always said when I retired, I was going to travel and I always wanted to see Machu Picchu. So I wanted to travel to Peru and I didn't know how to go and do it. So I checked out some travel companies, saw yours and the rest is history.
0: Tell us, what was the stressful job?
1: I worked in prisons for 30 and a half years. Wow. So it was, yeah, pretty stressful.
0: Okay, I can abs- I can imagine. God, it's a, it's a, a, different job to to what we're used to hearing about on on trips. But you know, that's the thing about our trips in our stage. You meet you meet a crazy, eclectic bunch of people, all different kind of backgrounds. And what's makes them so great? Tell me, like, like what kind of fitness um, prep did you have to do for to to get ready for Machu Picchu? Like, were, were you already into fitness beforehand, or or what stage were you at?
1: Okay, so to get ready for when I retired in January twenty seventeen, I looked at myself and I went. If I don't get my my house in order, I won't live to see 2018, let alone 2019 or further. So when I retired, I was 20 stone, morbidly obese, (laughs) type 2 diabetes, and a cholesterol of 14. So I was pretty unhealthy. That was years of shift work and bad eating and stress. Yeah. So I had a lot of prep to do. So I booked your trip in October. And in January, I said, that's it now. Get myself ready to go to Machu Picchu. So I started in the January 2017 on a healthy eating and fitness regime with the the trip in mind that October. So I started off losing the weight and then I started to get fit. And then I started to walk around the mountains around Wicklow. Mm. And then I got myself ready for the trip in October
0: amazing that's amazing so come here just to be clear right so you booked the trip in january yeah and you traveled in october so yep. how much like weight did you lose in that period
1: oh, i dropped five stone
0: <laughs> wow that's so amazing I know.
1: and it wasn't even starvation i i tell you i went to this guy this place in nav and i heard about it and I'll, I'll give him a plug it was called one-to-one fitness and it was beat the bulge it was called especially for people who needed a help to get back into fitness and yeah, so plug I, away
0: plug away sorry yeah well
1: it, it, i paid a couple of guys to go out hiking with me. I didn't know anybody to go hiking. I used a couple of hiking companies went out a few times in the mountains to get to get ready more or less and then I was ready to go in October with E and the rest is history.
0: Amazing. So come here tell me about your I'm fascinated to hear about your training regime like yeah. so like what was involved in losing like shifting all that weight and getting fit. And
1: fit okay, eating ready. healthy first of all and exercising three times a week. It was an hour or three times a week for the first two to three months. And then after that, I just, when I say an hour, it was an hour in the gym doing body weight exercise because body weight exercises is the, they're very hard. They're, they're as hard as any weight you lift. Body weight, once you do it properly and just lots of lunges, lots of squats, lots of down-ups, you know, throwing yourself to the floor, lifting yourself up, lots of cardio, boxing, that kind of stuff. And then progress to I, I did an hour's walking every day as well on top of that and then all of a sudden literally I looked at myself and realized I had a stone gone then two stone and it was just easy from January to October I dropped five stone mm. it was Whoa. easy for me because I had I had a lot of motivation I mean I was very unhealthy I needed to get my house in order I had three children and a husband and I just I felt that if I didn't get my health in order first of all I wouldn't be able to travel but second of all I wouldn't I wouldn't live, I couldn't live life properly. I mean, I was sitting on a couch, vegging, drinking a bottle of wine every, every couple of nights and eating crisps and cheese and, you know, the usual in a rut, like, you know, so I just got out of the rut.
0: Yeah. And Kamira, you were saying your, your job was really stressful. Like that was a significant factor in you putting on the weight in the first place and then like losing it once you retired. Like talk to me about that, like the impact of stress on your, on, on you. (laughs)
1: stress, the impact of it. Well, first of all, it affects you mentally and physically. So, you feel you don't have time to exercise. You don't have time to eat properly. And then it's a vicious circle. The less you exercise, the less you eat properly, the more you end up eating badly. You sit on the couch, you don't go out, you get a bit down. It's purely stress and shift to work. You see, I worked nights and mm. 12 hour shifts and nights coming home and then not going to bed because you're managing a house and your husband's working and you're managing three kids and you're cooking and, you know, still stuff. The stress just builds up and then years of... It's literally years of eating badly, sleeping badly, not exercising, 12-hour shifts. It just takes its toll. And all of a sudden, I'm in a bit of a state, like, you know?
0: Yeah. Fair play to you. Like, Jesus, some journey. And come here with the question I had for you, right? So basically, pretty soon after you retired, you're like, yeah, I'm going to Machu Picchu. Like, that's a pretty, like, confident move. Like, have you always been confident? Like...
1: Yeah, no, if I want to do something, I'll do it. I've always been confident. I always wanted to travel. I always mm. wanted to go to Machu Picchu as a kid. When you read about Machu Picchu and the books, and it was just always on my list, and I always wanted to do it. And I just said, I'll do it. Just do it, make a decisive action. And I was fortunate to retire early. I retired at 51, mm. and we were, we're I'm in the fortunate position that I had a bit of a pension, and I didn't have to worry too much about you know, paying bills and stuff like that. So I, I know I'm very fortunate I could do it. And then I just went, yeah, I'm going to do it. My husband was like, you've always wanted to do it, go. You have my blessing for the want of a better word. So I just booked it and worked towards it.
0: Amazing. I think that's so cool. Like, because like, you know, a lot of people you, you chat to, you know, get into that that morbidly obese space, you know, it takes them a period of time to kind of come out of it and to start doing little bits of gym or short things. I love the way you just were like, okay, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to Machu Picchu this year. You pretty much booked the trip and then you're like, okay, I got to get, as a secondary thought, I know I got to get ready. So you kind of put that pressure on you, yourself. It's, I'm kind of similar to be honest. Like I think a lot of us are, when we have an event in the future, we're like, okay, I can get fit. I'm going to get ready for that. But without that, it's quite hard. But yeah, total respect for getting straight in there and booking something on. That's pretty cool.
1: I was only thinking there, Last year, somebody was saying to me, how can you afford to go away every year on a trip? And I went quite easily. And it's not that I'm wealthy because I have to say we're not wealthy. We're just an average family, if you know what I mean. But I drink rarely and I don't smoke. And I was saying, I mean, I don't know how much 20 cigarettes are now. They might be 14 or 15 euros.
0: Well, I think they're 20, are they?
1: They're not, are they? Well, if it's 20 euros for 20 cigarettes, some people smoke 100 cigarettes a day. Yeah, that's, but what's that? That's a hundred quid a week, 400 quid a month, four grand a year.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's
1: more than a trip. That's a trip and a quarter. Yeah. That's how I equate spending money. I, I equate it to trips or it's like you go out for a meal. Yeah, meals are great. We all love going out. But I mean, if you spend a hundred quid a week on a meal, that's the same. That's 400, that's 4,000 a year over.
0: Listen, I, I said it already and I can't say it enough times, like total kudos and fair play to you. I'm sure like, you know, you're going to inspire a lot of people listening to this that are, maybe in the same position you were a couple of years ago. And yeah, yeah you it's know, fantastic.
1: Well, it's easy, you know, it's easy to wake up one day and you're middle-aged. I mean, that's basically what, it's really easy to wake up one day and you look in the mirror and you realize, God, I'm 51, 52, 53, I'm 55 now. Mm. And you have to say to yourself, well, I say to myself, well, age is first of all, and this is corny, but it's only a number. And, you know, I don't care about age. I just do what I want to do. And that sounds a bit if that sounds selfish or conceited, it's not meant to. It's just that age shouldn't be a barrier, and it's not a barrier, like, you know, for anybody. Age, sex, or creed shouldn't be a barrier for anybody. Just, even if it's something small, just do it, like, for yourself, like, you know?
0: Let's take a break there for some quick fire questions. What was your first job?
1: Oh, I worked in a graveyard cleaning headstones.
0: (laughs) What song is always on on your workout playlist?
1: Oh, God, some ACDC.
0: What are you reading right now?
1: American Dirt, I just finished.
0: If you were stranded on a mountain with one celebrity, who would it be?
1: It'd have to be Aunt Middleton.
0: What is your favourite food to eat on a mountain?
1: Anything locally, porters Cook. I love it.
0: What's your favourite piece of kit?
1: God, my boots. Yeah, definitely my boots.
0: What's your biggest pet peeve when travelling?
1: You know what? Confined in an airplane seat, that's it.
0: If money wasn't a factor, what would you do all day? Travel. And finally, describe yourself in three words.
1: Happy, adventurous, and lively.
0: <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. My dad is is uh, 74. He's he's been on a lot of these big trips, so You've got lots of lots of time, you know, yeah. and even from an acclimatization perspective, like the young fit males, they tend to, to, to have the most issues with altitude sickness, just because as a demographic, they're the most confident, overconfident really. And they struggle with things like acclimatization and going slow and preparing properly just because they have that overconfidence. So if you look after yourself, as you're saying, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you're training on a regular basis. There's no reason why you can't be doing trips for the next 20 years, you know.
1: Oh, please, God. I hope to be up a mountain when I'm like 80. Where's yeah, man? Yeah. She's up a mountain. Where's Nanny? <laughs> up a mountain.
0: <laughs> up a mountain. Cool. So 2017, obviously, you were probably, once you started getting into the training, you were buzzing for it. Yeah. Talk to me about the, at the reward at the end. You went to Peru. You went to Machu Picchu. How was
1: that? Oh, lads, it was unbelievable. First of all, it's a, ma- it's a fantastic country to go to, but the reward at the end, I remember hiking in along the train tracks into Aquacalientes, and we stopped at this kind of park and sat down to eat our lunch that the guys had given us a packed lunch. And I looked up and I saw Machu Picchu in the distance. And to say it was a moment, it was like a lifetime realisation. I always wanted to go there. And all of a sudden it was in front of me. I'm mean, I even getting shivers now thinking about it. It's really like I'm here. And then it's just that incredible feeling of achieving something. And we hadn't even gone into it or we hadn't even climbed up the mountain yet at that stage. It was just the fact that I was there. But to go and see the ruins and to see the atmospheric feeling, to see all the places you've only ever read about, and then to climb up the, up the steps to the top of the mountain. And there's me in my hiking boots. And, and I didn't have poles, but we had a small rucksack in our back. And... Were you know climbing up all these hundreds of steps, and this woman walked behind beside me. She must have been, she must have been Peruvian in a pair of high heels and a skirt, <laughs> <laughs> and she overtook us, gone up the steps. But anyway, no, it was amazing to the top of that mountain and to look out. It felt like I was on top of the world, and I suppose that's the feeling that I realised I loved. You know that yeah. I'm here. I've arrived.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Especially after the year you had, like I mean, the sense of achievement is just insane, you know. And yeah. Machu Picchu, like you, you know, you can talk to people about it and describe it, but it just is one of those places. It's absolutely insane. You
1: can't just you can't describe it really. Sure, you can't because no. even from getting up early in the morning to go on the bus, is that that feeling of anticipation, and then your drive because you're not allowed to approach it on your own. You have to go as as you know, it's an organized group to get there. But um, it's just incredible to seeing it, of realizing kind of my life's dream to see it. Like you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely cool. Did you enjoy that day? Right, so one of my one of my favorite days on that track is the day before you walk along the tra- train tracks, where you go to the go to the coffee farm in the hot springs. The
1: hot springs, Lads, so good, isn't it? <laughs> the hot springs. I was hoping you'd ask about that. It's the most amazing place. It's in the middle of these mountains, and then all of a sudden, there's this natural swimming pools and you go in and it's like 23 24 degrees and everybody's just swimming it's incredible it's the most idyllic experience forget these infinity pools you see in hotels the only pool to see at the natural springs they're incredible they're just incredible
0: amazing yeah yeah and you get to you know we're finished climatizing at that point so you get to have yeah. a beer and all that kind of thing Marion, the other thing i love about that day is earlier on we go to the the, the coffee farm yeah. and we have the patch of manca so yeah. just describe that to the listeners what it's a traditional peruvian dish where the barbecue we, yeah the barbecue yeah we basically we wrap different types of meat and then vegetables separately in banana leaves yeah. and we, so we bury, bury that in in the
1: guys dig a hole in the ground yeah And their kitchen is... Actually, I took photographs of the kitchen because my husband's a chef. Mm. and And what really struck me, first of all, was the guys... The kitchen guys, they had their hats on, their big white chef hats in the middle of the coffee farm, in the middle of this little kitchen, this setup kitchen. But OK, so they dig some holes in the ground and then they wrap all the, the lunch in big banana leaves, as you said, the vegetables and meat. And they wrap it in the leaves, stick it in the ground, cover it with soil and hot coals and cook it. And while that's cooking, we go off and we pick coffee beans and you get your... T- when I say a tour, it's the, the coffee plantation owner shows you around his his pride and joy because that's his whole life, that coffee farm. Mm. And then you go around, pick your beans and you come back and you grind coffee beans and you get a chance to brew some real coffee. And then you sit down and the lads bring the lunch out and it's like a feast. So all the big, long, trestable tables, you're sitting at and... There's wine if you want wine or beer. And then the guys bring out the food and it's just platters and platters of this fresh food wrapped in banana leaves. It's just, I can't describe the food because it's so, it's gorgeous and it's so real. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely, yeah. I, I love that place. Is this funny, like kind of in-joke we have at Earth's Edge that the guy that owns that coffee farm is, is Freddie and he's got good English, but it's not amazing, you yeah. know? Like obviously, he speaks perfect Quechua and 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 Spanish. He has this joke that not with our groups, he got in big trouble telling. It's actually hilarious, right? So when you go out into the in the coffee farms, you know, like he's describing the different type of like uh, coffee beans, and and there's also like they they plant avocado trees over the coffee, which are quite large.
1: Oh, and they're gorgeous avocados as well, by the way.
0: Unbelievable! And then he has like. He's got different types of banana trees there because yeah. they're, they're good for the fertilization, right? But he has this joke that he did with us, but apparently there's was a German group there and he got in really hot water over it. So he gets this, this plantain, which is like quite a large banana, and he holds it up and he's like, this one we call Inca penis banana, <laughs> right? And then he has this lo- little tiny one. Like, it's like, honestly, like it's like two inches long. He's like, this banana... This one we call Gringo Penis Banana, and it's just like hilarious because everyone is just like not excited; they're breaking their arse break laughing. But uh, yeah, he got in big trouble with a German group over that. But they
1: didn't like the penis reference. Obviously. No,
0: they didn't enjoy that. But I thought it was just pure gold. Like, but that uh,
1: coffee plantation is if we you camp there as well that night, as you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: and uh, as you know, of course, you know you organize it. You can you can have a beer there that night as well. But it's it's a magical place to camp as well. It's just. Yeah, it's it's crazy, like, you know, or well, you camp near it, should I say. It's incredible, like, you know.
0: Yeah, it's a super trip. I lo- Like, I love Peru. It's so cool. And uh, since you were there, we've actually changed up the itinerary. We go to another city called Carao as well.
1: Yeah, I regret missing that.
0: Yeah, you'll have to go back now, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: So, Kamir, then in 2018, you did our Kenya Tri-Venture expedition. What was that like?
1: Lads, that is the most incredible trip. Out of all the trips I did, I'd say it's my favorite No, I know it's by no means the most difficult. It's my favourite because of the variety. Fly into Nairobi, which is amazing. It's like, I mean Nairobi. And then you go on this bus and you rock up to this, it's like an oasis in the middle of Kenya is all I can say. So there's these huts, houses, hut stroke houses that you stay in for the first night. And the next day you head out on the trail in the back of Jeeps and they drop you to your start point and you start hiking. You hike up to Mount Kenya, which is just an incredible hike. It's just under 5,000 meters, but it's just an incredible, the hike is just the walk in and it's incredible. The night before you arrive at your kind of, you call it base camp because it's, it's your camp before you set off for the summit morning. But you go up to this, you're near this cliff and you peer over the cliff. It's like looking over the edge of the world is all I can say. It's unbelievable. It's just mm-hmm. unbelievable. I can't describe how unbelievable it is, I suppose. It's just when we walked into that camp, Louise was our guide and we walked in and I sat down on a, on a bench, which was like a tree stump. And I started crying and Louise said to me are you all right I said no and I just cried and cried and I, I didn't know what was wrong like you know <laughs> and she said altitude often affects people and I didn't re- I didn't realize that but yeah. anyway it's just kind of this moment and it's kind of just feel like overwhelmed I think because you're in such a beautiful place does that make any sense does it
0: oh it absolutely does you know it's so humbling isn't it to be in yeah. some of these places like you're just kind of like whoa like yeah this- puts everything else into context but I mean that trek on Mount Kenya is is absolutely <sighs> amazing we probably get about you know we do one trip there a year and we do so many in Kili and Kilimanjaro is amazing don't get me wrong but on Mount Kenya you know it's just the route we take up the chigori oh. is not that busy and there's so much wildlife there's nobody else there it's yeah we saw incredible.
1: the what's the, the wild the native animal there the rock.
0: The closest relevant to the elephant. This that's week.
1: right, yeah. I know
0: what you're talking about. And
1: summit night, as you said, we didn't, first of all, we didn't meet one single person on that trail. Not yeah. one single other person the whole time we were there. And on summit night, <clears throat> that's, that's amazing. You get up at quarter past two in the morning and it's frozen. There's snow. It's absolutely frozen and you go into the mess tent and the guys, Julius and, and his guys, have tea waiting for you and they have there's porridge there and they're saying, no, eat the porridge. And then they have a, an array of snacks for you to stick in your pocket and your bag for some at night, some at day. And you head off up the trail in the pitch dark with your head torch. But what struck me was about three hours later, we were still on the trail and it was getting a bit difficult because we were just at nearly 5,000 metres. And I looked to the left, there was Venus and the sunrise. Wow. And the moon. I mean, all on my left-hand side. mm yeah, that trip is amazing. And then you do your summit so and you come down, but then the next day you get on a bike and you cycle across the, Af- the African, the Kenyan plains. I mean, what's not magical about that? Like, you know? Yeah, I know. And then the first night then you you cycle up to this game reserve and the bus meets you and you go in. And we were all sitting on the bus and we were like, yeah, we're going into this lovely place. And next of all, we go through these gates and, Louis- and I said, Louise, Louise, and I started... She said, what, what? And I was crying, there's elephants, there's elephants. (laughs) There was elephants all around us. And she said, it was so funny. I was like, elephants, elephants. I didn't think we would see elephants like in front of you. But there was elephants, giraffes, you name it, we saw it. We actually saw lions and tigers as well. We saw hippopotamus, everything. And then we camped in the middle of that for the night. I mean, that's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like Old Page today, the park we go to is just so well stocked. It's just like, <sighs> you know, like you never can guarantee anything. Like, but like you know, saw people, yeah, like it's just so easy to see game there. I've been actually on that trip that people, because we do, after the first day of biking, we do a game drive and you camp in the park, which you can tell a little, tell us a little bit more about in that in a second. And then we do another game drive in the morning. yeah I've actually had been on trips there where like some of the clients have been like, I'm actually going to sleep in. I'm not going to do the second game drive because they've seen that all several yeah. times the night before. Yeah. Some people yeah. are like, nah I'm good. Yeah. Which is mad really, to be honest, because it's like people spend thousands of euros yeah. to go to, to Africa to see this stuff. And you're just like, Ah, yeah, we saw it on that Kenya try Adventure trip, you know, but...
1: Well, actually, that's what one of the guys the next morning went, God, this is a bit like, we saw these the night before and we're like, oh my God, first world problems.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. And then you finish the bike and then you go rafting. How did you find the rafting? Uh,
1: the white water rafting was brilliant. So you go on the the guys go through the safety stuff with you, and they drive you to a point in the river. And there's I think there was four rafts. There was four rafts for everybody, and you go into. They ask you, "Are you afraid? Are you a bit nervous? Are you adventurous?" So we went, "Yeah, give us the give us the be all and end all raft." So you go onto the raft, and lads, they flip you. They turn the raft over. You go under. We call them little waterfalls. You go down rapids, and then you get off the, the raft and you jump into the thing they call the devil's, the devil's toilet bowl. So you yeah. jump into like a swirl. It's incredible. It's yeah. just incredible.
0: Yeah, it's great. That's the nicest thing about that rafting trip is like, you know, if you want to get trashed and flip and get in the water a lot, you can, but if you want to take it easy and stay dry, you could do that too, which is great. Yeah, it's awesome.
1: I, I did the addition at the end as well. I did the, the bungee jump.
0: Go on out of that. You yeah,
1: did. it was incredible. So Mark, the doctor, and yeah. another girl, Kasia, another girl and myself, we did the bungee jump and it was brilliant.
0: And then you went to my favorite place to track in the world last year. You went to Suck angry in Ladakh in Northern uh, India. How was that?
1: Incredible. Nothing prepares you for it. It's like being, I've never been to India before and I've never been to Tibet, but I imagine it's sort of like what Tibet is like. Everybody says it's very similar to it. But it's such a beautiful part of the world. All the stupas, all the as you, the, the stupas, and then you're surrounded by the Himalayan mountains, and mm. the people are just so gorgeous. The scenery is so fabulous. Yeah, it's just so peaceful and so. It's like if ever I wanted, to, if ever I was on my own and I wanted to go somewhere to live, I would go there. I think it's like you'd, you'd live there. You'd live your life out there. It's so peaceful and fabulous.
0: Absolutely. For me, like it's like the Mecca of adventure sport in the world, Ladakh. It's just got it all, you know, and and you combine that with the culture. And as you said, the scenery is just stunning. Like it's a high altitude desert, which kind of doesn't sound that great. But when you see it, like just these amazing views, you can see out into the Karakoram,
1: And you can see the highest, the highest road in the world. Jethu showed us from the right hand side from the stupa. So we were hoping actually we were hoping but it didn't transpire to to hire a bike and come down on it but uh, it was too icy I mean mm-hmm. it would have been too dangerous we reckoned we probably would have had an accident had we come down on the road on the on the ice so we didn't but yeah it's a fabulous place the adventure yeah. sports look amazing I'd definitely go back there to do rafting without yeah. a yeah
0: so Kamir, speaking of going back the two of us were heading back there together well but not just the two of us now There's some other people come with us yeah but you're heading for for in 2021, yeah. Touching wood here with it with the vaccine. Fall going to plan. You're going to do Kitty and you're going to do Kangyatsi in 2021.
1: Hopefully, yeah.
0: Amazing. Fair play to you, like. Hopefully. And what are your other bucket list trips?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I don't really call, I don't really look at them as bucket list trips. I suppose I just do what takes my fancy. I would love to go to Akin Kagura. I'll ha- I would love to do that. A guy that was on the um, trip with us last year, Eugene, he went to do Akin Kagura after he went to Stock, but he didn't tell anyone he was doing it. He's mm-hmm. lovely. He lives in, he lives in, he lives in the African continent. Now he's from, Limerick but he lives in Africa but he did okay. with there in January with he last year and he loved it so that would be on my on my list I think that's a good challenge that
0: yeah that's a good one to aim for. It's no stopping you absolutely no bother like you know you'll fly it come here tell me now Marianne your reputation is and um, precedes itself like oh, tell <laughs> tell me a bit about some of the crack you've had on trips
1: I'll add, the crack is mighty. Uh, the, I, was, I was only th- reminiscing my, with myself today. First of all, I have to. We were having dinner. We were having our cel- well. It wasn't celebrated. It was the night. The night. The day after we uh, were up the top of Machu Picchu, we waited till we went back to Cusco to have our celebratory dinner, which uh, you have after every trip. So we went out for just a group dinner that night in Calliantes, and we we're all sitting down at this kind of long bench in a restaurant. And next of all, we heard this, what sounded like a gunshot. And I was only thinking about it today, it was so funny. We all jumped on the floor under the table, Aaron and all, like, you know, you can imagine a big scream and we jumped under the table, but it was a car backfiring, but it was so funny. You <laughs> That's could, hilarious. <laughs> okay. When we flew into Delhi last year, mm. I'd never been, as I said, in India before. Delhi is amazing. We went out for dinner on the first night
0: yeah. and
1: we literally, three of us to a tuk-tuk. So there was a group of, can you imagine six tuk-tuks? We're all Irish people and it gone around like an emoticade in Delhi oh no the the laugh the the crack has been mighty that we've had like you know yeah you can have brilliant fun in the mess tents too the mess tent is kind of the centre of everything you go there obviously to eat but you go there for the laugh and the crack and the stories that you tell that's the great thing about it you meet so many different people and everybody has a story
0: absolutely and it's, it's it's the time you have as well you know like you get out somewhere like like stuck, angry, you know, and there's just, you're just off your phone and it's just quality time, having the crack, learning about people. Yeah. I I love that for me. But you learn a
1: lot about yourself as well, don't you, when you're away?
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure. You definitely do. Like, what have you learned about yourself when on Expedition?
1: Well, I'm definitely a better person when I hike, without a shadow of a doubt. I come back much nicer because it gives you that kind of relief. Now I don't know whether my kids would agree with that, but I think I am. What have I learned, you could, you really you. And that sound, this sounds this answer is real, um, like holistic. But I don't mean it to sound like that. But you, when you're away, you end up thinking about your. You do reflect on all you've done over your life and where you are at the moment, and mm. you just come back with a greater sense of understanding and appreciation of things and people because you have all that time, as you said, no phones, no. No distractions, and it just gives you time to reflect. And I suppose I, w- I would never say I'm a very spiritual person, but I suppose we're human beings. It gives you it gives you time to be a being, if mm-hmm. you know what I mean. We're human beings. I always think not human doings, and it gives you time to just be. Does that make sense? Does yeah, it? Yeah,
0: it totally does. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah, I've just learned that. I've learned that sometimes I'm not as tolerant as I should be, but I've learned that I have a deep reserve that I never realized I have. Climbing up those mountains sometimes can be quite difficult and you just have to get your head in the right place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't describe myself as a super spiritual person either, but like, for some reason, like my mom passed away about ten years ago, and she was a big driver in, in starting Earth's Edge. She helped out a lot at the start, and she was super into hiking. You know, like my uh-huh. dad is involved in the in the business as well. He's a doctor, but she was kind of the driver behind, yeah, my inspiration to get into outdoors and took us out as kids and all that. Like, and like you know, I I'm not like one that you know I hear people talking about relatives have passed away, you think about them every day and that. But I'm not like that, you know. But Coming up close to a summit, she always comes into my head, you know, like yep. I'm always like, it's such a, it's not like your life flashes before your eyes, but you kind of, you just get into that kind of spiritual sense. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? The effect it can have on you. Well, um, you
1: do. Sorry, when I said, uh, when I was going up Mount Kenya and I reached the base camp and I sat down and I cried, uh, actually, my mom had only died the pre- a few months previously. She died in the June and I was up in October, November. And it was, it just, it's just, it's kind of cathartic nearly. Being up the mountains, it kind of it helps you, it helps you deal with things as well. It helps it gives you time to to realize and to process things, which is we all need and we don't get very often, like you know.
0: Mm. No, absolutely, yeah, for sure. And um, come here tell me this. You were saying you 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 come back a be- better, person. Like, what do you mean by that? Like in what sense?
1: Um, I come back happier, yeah. I come back fulfilled. I mean, really. I know we can be very selfish people and we all like to do things for ourselves, but sometimes when you go away and you spend that time, a lot of time by yourself, but a lot of time surrounded by other people, but a lot of time reflecting, as I said, on where you are, you realize how I realize how I could improve things a bit, maybe, or come back going, I think I'll have a bit more patience this time. I've had a great two and a half weeks on my own doing what I want to do. And then it gives you a bit more patience, it gives you time to appreciate. I suppose, the people and the things that you do have when you're away, which we don't often appreciate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I, I I can empathize with you there. You know, like I haven't been, with the pandemic, I haven't been away on expedition. I'm usually away on four or five in a year. And it's kind of, I, I just find I get super busy without yeah. a trip. You know, it kind of, it, it's like a reset button. It's absolutely, yeah. like, get away on a trip. Yeah, I can't. God, it's it's interesting to chatting to you like I'm just asked that you buzzing to get away in another expedition as soon as I can, but
1: Oh, I'm dying to get away too. Ta- Janie, it won't come quick. August won't come quick enough. Like, you know, that's just the way it is. Sometimes the world has a funny way of looking at things, doesn't it? It, it, it throws you it throws curveballs at you, doesn't it?
0: That's it. Like, you know, you, you we can't control these things, just make the best of it. Like, you know. What tell me this, what was your toughest moment on on, 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 on an expedition on a mountain?
1: My toughest moment actually was last year up in stock. We went on an acclimatisation hike after we reached base camp. And I just said to myself, I, actually, what I found about that uh, base camp was, I felt, this sense." and when I think about it, I felt very wobbly up there. I felt, but it wasn't just me. Everybody was saying you could move like two or three metres and you could really feel the difference in the altitude, Mm. I don't know whether it was the weather or because the the guys of all of a sudden, as you know, the weather turned. But the guys said they'd never had weather like it in in years and years and years, I think.
0: Yeah, you guys had horrific weather up there. None of our team or any of the other teams at that time even attempted summit. So, yeah, it was was super tough.
1: But, you know, what? that's what's really good, too, in that Brian was there and Brian was our leader. And then you have the the guys there, Jetsu, their local guide you have to trust them implicitly. Like, you know what I mean? And you do. And that's that's really good too because I knew up there uh, the altitude was was mad. Like, you know what I mean? I just felt the altitude was, was difficult for me up there at that time. But for the group generally, I trust Brian and, and uh, Jetu implicitly. And when they say, lads, we need to go down, you go down because you know that they know what they're doing. And often... I think for me, it's important when I go away because I have a husband and children at home that they know that I'm safe. And for me, it was important that I trust them to make the decision that's right for the group. Does that make sense to you, does it?
0: hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Because I know that some people were disappointed that they didn't summit there last year. In fact, a lot of people were. But Brian and Jetu made the right call because the snow, I think, ended up, I think it was four or five foot of snow.
0: Yeah, it was so uncommon for that that amount of snow and suck angry. But I mean, like Brian and G2, I know G2 a long time. Like we first met back in um, 2007. Super professional guides like and yeah you got to make that say the 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 safety first approach because um the thing is marion is you know like everybody you know yourself like you know you're training for for a solid year to get ready for stuck angry and your whole goal of the exhibition is get to the top of the mountain yeah and it just doesn't work like that with mountains you know like you have to you have to respect the mountain and sometimes it's just not your day and you have to be willing to accept that it's where where you had that mentality where you're like yeah, I'm going to summit this thing no matter what. That's where it becomes a little bit dangerous. So, Yeah, yeah and
1: it does. And I, as I said in previous times, you know, it's it's not only all about the summit, it's the journey getting there as well, because it's the journey as in not only the walking, you're hiking and you're surrounded by this beauty. It's the whole journey of, I suppose, you're pre- prepping for the trip, getting there, hiking up the mountains, your spiritual journey, you're, you're just surrounded by meeting your new people, the whole journey, I mean, summit is brilliant. Yeah, to summit the mountain is, is a fantastic achievement of any mountains have summited. Mm. But, you know, if, if you can't, there's nothing you can do about it. It's out of your hands. Actually, when we went back down, we were up the stupa the next day when we went back down to, yeah. and yeah, to lay. And Jetu was showing us the avalanches on the mountains that we just come down from, oh, from yeah. in the distance. So, I mean, it's crazy, isn't it?
0: Yeah, like I mean there would have been lots of lot lots of avalanche there because it's just so much so much uh, snow that we're, that's not that's not typical. Now, we were well either. off the
1: mountain at that stage, but oh. what I'm saying is they know what they're doing. Uh, we were down in the town because just said no, we're coming off before any more snow happens because that's what they do. what amazed me though was some of their some of his guys were up that mountain in sandals, lads. Mm. Sandals. And <laughs> yeah. they're brilliant.
0: They're amazing. Like, I mean, like when you think about it, yeah. Some of the guys, like, are are Indian guys. uh, Most of them are from a place called Uttarakhand, or as they like to call it, the UK in India. (laughs) And they're just like they're built for mountains, like physiologically. And then you know, like I would consider myself pretty fit, but you know, I spend 250 days of the year in an office. So these guys are are out there all the time, and they're yeah, they're just mountain people, you know. So they're a distinct advantage, and they're tough as well, but yeah absolutely awesome and
1: nothing is too much for them as well they do anything for you
0: yeah they are my team in India like I mean uh, before I started in Earth's Edge I was out working there and they taught me a lot about customer service and how to look after people so you know everybody really that works with us here in Ireland our guides our doctors our local staff like it's our passion is people. And I think, you know, no one is working in the outdoor industry to get super rich and you, you need to buzz off people's experience that are in your care. So they all share that passion with me. So they're they're fantastic guys. And I'm really looking forward to getting out to Kenyansi with you in August. It's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see who I'll be sharing a tent with. I have to say, one of the funniest things about hiking and tenting abroad, lads, if anybody hasn't done it, it's brilliant. You're back to basics. Forget your makeup and forget your jewelry. It's you're just you and your wet wipes, and your bag. And it's brilliant because, you know, you don't have to worry about things. We're too, You know, you don't have to... What I love about when I come back down the mountain and you go in and you have your shower, you look in the mirror and you go, God, do I really look that good? You forget. You know, you're all looking at yourself and you're going, God, I hate my lines, I hate this and I hate that. When you come back down and you haven't seen yourself in like a week or 10 days, you think, God, I look good. Does that make... You know what I mean? Yeah. You're looking at yourself with fresh eyes and... One of the funniest things on the trip, actually, you asked what was a funny thing. I was sharing a tent last year with a wonderful girl called Anne-Marie. Let me preface this by saying she's 30-ish and stunningly beautiful. Now, you know you meet somebody and they're gorgeous, she's just gorgeous. Anyway, and um, I was sharing a tent with her and we got on like a house on fire. First of all, it's great to meet new people and then to share the tent with somebody who's like 20, 25 years younger than you. But lads, having a wet whitewash in a tent with another person is just hilarious because all kind of privacy, you don't worry about it in the end. You're just like... Yeah, we'll just do this. At the start, you're kind of coyly trying to change, you know, in your sleeping bag. doesn't yeah. matter. By the end of the week, you're like, will you take that bra for me? Will you, will you do this? Will you do that? <laughs> like, you know, it's just funny. You just, you get on so well with people. You just become, you just get used to each other. And it's fabulous. Like, you know, you develop relationships with people, really deep relationships over the course of the week, because you get to know each other inside out.
0: Absolutely, like, you know, even most of us, like, if you think about your best mates, like, you know, at life and we're all working or yeah. family, like you see each other maybe, you know, once or twice a year now, yeah. you're, you're in a tent having a chat with someone for two or three hours every day. Like, it's amazing the bonds people uh,
1: you'd, you'd, you'd strike form up on really, expedition. You really deep bonds with people because mm. you end up telling each other, whether you Anybody going away, whether you want to or not, you end up telling people your whole life story, stuff you tell. Years ago, it would have been in a confession box. You tell the priest, you nearly tell people these your your whole life because mm. it's really, you can just, everybody does it. I don't know whether it's the mountains, whether it's the altitude, whether it's just that, you know, your, the comfortable feeling you have. You just end up sharing with people you meet. It's brilliant.
0: Yeah, it is fantastic for sure. So, Kamir, you were talking about camping there. Like yeah. for someone... It's never been on a you know maybe their only experience of camping is you know maybe one or two nights at a festival like how how rough do do you think it was like was it was it higher or lower standard than what you were expecting before you went on one of our trips?
1: It was a good standard. The first trip we went on, we hiked up in when we were in Peru, and we went up to the Salcante Trail. That's where we started on before you changed the trip. I don't know. Do you still go up the Salcante Trailway? We
0: we go a different way, yeah, but it's all the yeah. same equipment. We go on well, the Chucky Corral track, yeah.
1: When we were on the way up, I don't know, does it follow me around, but they had snow and they hadn't had snow in years. On that particular trip, Aaron was like, oh, my God. But when we got there, these orange tents, we got into our tent. He said, go into the tent and get changed, get warm. The tents were set up, lads, with the ground sheet, with the, the not mattresses, but the thick layers that you put your sleeping bags on very comfortable very warm and then yeah hey,
0: head- hang on there in one second yeah. just hold on a second so I'm asking <laughs> something you had snow on in kenya yeah. stuck angry in india and you also had it in peru as peru, well yeah? yeah so basically you're a bit of a shit magnet like yeah snow magnate, with, yeah. yeah i'm, I'm not worried i'm a bit worried about going to, to kanyatze with you next year they said like it
1: never I'm- snowed in Peru. <laughs> And we were up there and we walked into a bloody blizzard. We were like, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you into a secret. When I got the, the packing list, you know, the list that you send out to bring. Yeah, yeah. to bring. Now, bearing in mind, we we're going to Peru in South America and on the list was gloves. And I said to myself, sure, what did they know? Who needs bloody gloves going to Peru? So mm. what did Marion not do? She didn't bring gloves at all. Uh, or some pup, Yeah. And then we we're halfway up the mountain and the snow hit and my hands were... <laughs> frozen because i didn't bring the gloves now somebody that, gave me a pair but i Aaron like, not give
0: you his gloves no
1: <laughs> Aaron didn't even need gloves nor a hat <laughs> you know what he's like he he was just like oh what was it i'm trying to think uh, he, of, oh. he
0: he's he he's when he's working he's tough like i i climbed an alley with him a few years ago you know uh, he, he, is. he he likes his creature comfort sometimes you know so yeah, no, he's a superstar, I'm only joking. Oh no,
1: he's great. No, I know, but somebody gave me a pair of gloves. But that's actually, if anybody who's listened to this hasn't gone on a trip and you get the packing list, bring what they tell you, because I learned badly that year. I really thought, why would you want to bring gloves to Peru? I mean, I, I didn't pay attention to the glove part, but I wouldn't go anywhere now without three sets of gloves. My liners, my gloves, and my mitts.
0: Okay, cool. So, <laughs>
1: that's
0: great advice, actually, yeah. Sorry dude, I interrupted you there. You were talking about um the camping. So it's pretty good yeah. standard, like you know, of, like it is. what you so, after.
1: One of the creature comforts really to what they give you, which we couldn't believe when we were in Peru, every morning the guys came around with a little basin of hot water for you to wash your face and your hands in. I mean, that's lovely. Do you know what I mean? It was lovely. And they even brought us around a cup of tea. But no, the, the the comforts, I mean, okay, it's camping. You're not going to get, it's not like going to the south of France in a camp, on a campsite. But it's, uh, the tents are super, they're big enough too for two people. And the mess tent then is fabulous. The food is fabulous. Now the toilet, even the toilets weren't too bad actually. Because it, any toilets we've had were all sit down toilets, which is, apparently quite unusual for a lot of places abroad they have a toilet tent with it you sit on it and it's clean and it's comfortable and it's all looked after
0: we will under promise and over deliver on the toilet like yeah the toilet's pretty good but like it's not you know like it's not on suite toilet of a five star hotel. No, it's boteller. not. But I
1: mean, it's not. It, it, you still have somewhere to put your butt when you want to poop, like you know what exactly. I mean. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's You've tired really legs you get to Sit
0: rather than squat. Which is
1: yeah. I mean, that's a huge bonus when you're away, isn't it?
0: That's what I love about trekking. Like, do you ever think, like, you know, if you were if you were on a sun holiday, you'd be going to one of your mates, like, Jesus, isn't this great? Now I get to sit down <laughs> when I'm having a shit rather than squatting. Like, it's such a luxury. Like, you know, it's just oh. the simple things in life when you're on an expedition are just the best. Like.
1: But you know what, that's what levels us all, really. It brings us all to the same level, doesn't it? Like, you know what I mean? Everybody has to poop and pee, like, you know. And lads, I, I have to say, I, I will put my hand up and admit that the hardest thing at night is to get out of the tent and go to the toilet to yeah. get your shoes on. And a girl I met last year, I won't say her name because she'd be mortified, gave us a great tip, she-pee. She-wee, one, one, she-wee. she I
0: was going to ask you, are you fan? Yeah. Are you a user of the she-wee yourself? Uh,
1: we'll see this year or 2021 because she swears Mm -hmm. by it so we were saying I was saying last year because I use the I take the oh lads come on for the altitude Dymox and it makes you wee a lot as you know because you're drinking loads of water yeah and I was saying I'm up three and four times a night and she said come here look and she showed me this bottle of wee she had she said I just used the sheep pee go into the ante room of the tent and pee in it and crawl back into the sleeping bag so I'll do that next year
0: yeah I know like a lot a lot of fellas they, they in the sleeping bag, they can pee into the nalogene, you know, and yeah. I know some girls who can do that as well, just straight into the nalogene without the shiwi, as soon as we're on peeing. <laughs> I don't have direct experience with that, but that's, it can be done. That sounds
1: interesting. We won't have a competition at that next year, right? We're not having yeah. a competition.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. There's no one, unless it's like minus 20 or lower, like you can get out and go for a pee, like Jesus.
1: Oh, you can, you can. Absolutely. It's just, you just have to do it. I learned last year too, the sleep, I bought a new sleeping bag and they had, now it's a good one. And I learned there was an extension on it, which I did, like you can make it slimmer and wider, which is brilliant. Because mm. the first night I was like a mummy and then I realized I could make it wider. Mm. I mean, and I've been on camping a few times. You You learn everything. You learn new things on every expedition you go on.
0: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. <clears throat> but, I mean, you made a top tip there already. Do read the gear list and bring everything. Oh,
1: out. lads. If, if they tell you to bring it, bring it. Yeah. It,
0: Deadly. Thanks it's, so it's much, It's a no-brainer
1: that. not to do it because... And, you know, you don't have to... Also, too, people do not have to go and buy top-end brands. Yeah. I'd, I'm not into the snobbery element of hiking. I'll always have a good, a good rucksack and good boots.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And a
1: good sleeping bag because I don't want to be cold, but... Look, I I won't I won't go and spend five hundred quid on a jacket because there's there's a like a good name on it. If I can get one, you know, as good for half. Do you know what I mean? Or a second hand one. I just don't believe in wasting money either on gear that I. You know what I mean? On for no, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I think there's a balance there. You know, sometimes certain bits of kit like you know, um, your down jacket, sleeping bag. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Worth spending Boots. money
0: on. But, you know, other stuff, it's it's not as essential. But you do get what you pay for. And then obviously, depending on how high you're going, you need a higher quality gear as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. But what I'm saying is for anybody starting off, don't think you have to go and spend thousands on gear because you don't.
0: Sure, yeah, absolutely. That's good Because a lot of
1: people might think, oh, I can't afford this or I can't afford that. And it's not really about... You know what I mean? I mean, you can even borrow stuff. I borrow stuff. I'm in a hiking group and we lend each other stuff that, you you know, all the time that once off purchases that you don't want to buy, somebody might have it, they'll lend it to you, like, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Marion. I was going to say to you that um, yeah, I think your story is really inspiring. Like to 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 go from where you were to lose all that weight to go on a trip, and I think it's you know I hope all the people, some of the listeners will will you know be inspired inspired by that. But if you had if you had advice for someone who was you know thinking about booking that trip but they were just hesitant and pulling the trigger, like what advice would you give them?
1: I'd say first of all, I'd say actually ring and speak to speak to yourself, or speak to Joyce, or speak to somebody in the office, or even speak to speak to somebody who's done it, and then book it and do it, because just it's, it's just do it because it's, you're doing it for yourself, and it's just challenge yourself, and I suppose be the best version of what you can be, and if that means starting off going around Glendalough and hiking around there, finding your way and then book your trip. I mean, just do it as my, as my motto. Like if you can afford to do it and just enjoy it, like, you know, because I know it's a real life is short, like, you know, and that's really all I can say. Just do it and just enjoy the adventure, embrace it and enjoy it because the challenge is good. For me, the challenge is good. I love the challenge. I love trying to, I love trying to, push myself and if that means push myself to climb up Karen Tuchel I'll do it or I'll try and do it and you know what if I don't succeed I'll try it again so just try it and do it you, you might love it I never hiked before 2017 now I may add I never did anything before and now I love the mountains I'm in Wicklow or I'm up in the coolies most weekends i have a massive group of friends that i never would have met before i mean who goes out and meets new friends and makes you know makes groups of friends at 53 and 54 years of age not many people
0: yeah it's amazing
1: you know i have a massive group of friends now and they are friends that i met through hiking and climbing and through arts edge so i mean yeah it's great it is great like you know Awesome I can't say anymore I mean I'm grateful this sounds like an advert for you and it's not by the way anybody I'm not getting paid to do this just No you're like, definitely no.
0: not you're not <laughs> getting paid
1: It sounds like an advert but it's not it's just kind of it's it, look Nah this, I'm it, I'm just joking corny, but my life changed when I went to Machu Picchu like you know what I mean in that it opened up the world for me and to see what I could do and you know
0: Yeah amazing Oh dude that was absolutely brilliant thank you so much for coming on it was great chatting to you thank you so much This podcast was produced by Earth's Edge. We're a small business based in Ireland who organize big adventures all over the world. For more information about us and the trips discussed on this podcast, visit earths-edge.com or follow us on Instagram. Don't forget to sign up to our mailing list to be in the running to win one of our summit jackets. There's a link in the show notes. And while you're there, if you could subscribe and review the podcast, that'd be brilliant. I'm your host, James McManus. Thanks for listening and have a super week.